0: there she is there's that bitch um <laughs> hi guys did anyone else hear that
1: no that would no, just sound no. like you're calling me that bitch that's all right it's all right
0: <laughs> i'm fine. that's it so guys so a lot of uh, people watching are my one-to-one clients my one-to-one round is ending today and let they've all come over to the EC method, because obviously our coaching is second to none. Um, and I just did my last live with them and I cried. I had like a full meltdown. And I told Emma and I was like, I'm mortified. And she was like, why? And I just want to say, because I think a lot, Emma and I get so much love and thanks from you guys. And obviously, you know, we we hope that we say it back. Oh, talking to Emma about it. I realized I don't think I would like people very much if. I didn't have you guys as my clients. I mean, the E C C method as well as one to one. You've completely reinvigorated my like of people and my trust of people because you're all so fucking phenomenal. Like you're just so open with us. You let us be so open with you. We only really ever have one client who sometimes challenges what we say because she feels it triggers her. And I love that she does that. I just love that. Like, again, it's such an open, safe space. And I just want to say, like, thank you guys so much for giving. I know it sounds so cheesy. I I said this to Emma, and I really mean it. I feel like you've done me immeasurable good. And I'm going to get emotional again now. I just want to say thank you. And I, I really feel like I don't really know why. In the last twenty four hours, that's really hit me quite hard. I don't know why I'm so weird at the moment. I'm having two days of high, intense emotion. Um, but I want to say thank you very, very, very much.
1: And so I said this in the voice note, which you've not listened to yet. But do you think part of it is because coaching is something you've built completely off your own back with your own qualifications, your own experience, like, what we were talking about before with the media and your parents and then like this is totally you there's nothing
0: yeah I do I think yes That in that way it gives me purpose and fulfillment and I and and I definitely feel that but really in terms of like I don't know how safe and I guess I, I guess joyful I feel it's about our clients they're amazing and we always say this like you know your vibe attracts your tribe. Um, and I always say to Emma, like, if that's true. Have a true, great
1: vibe.
0: You have a fucking great vibe. But it's just this, like, I, I don't think, and I'm sure I don't need to really explain this. I'm sure people can uh, assume what the reasons are. I don't think I would have much faith in people. Um on a very kind of self-indulgent personal level, if it wasn't for you lot. And like I say, just the openness from coach to client that goes both ways, the complete safe space to say what you want. I'm amazed we don't get more complaints about some of the shit that comes out of my mouth specifically. The fact we can say what we want and we all are so supportive of each other, I just, I really mean it. I just feel like you guys have done me the world of good, like into my my soul. And I just am so grateful. And I just, yeah, I said to Emma, I don't know what's going on with me the last 48 hours. I'm extremely emotional, but I really feel it like quite weightily right at at the moment. And so I just wanted to say it out loud and say thank you very much.
1: Mm -hmm. I (laughs) I think a lot of it is like how a lot of the time vulnerable, like you've just been and open we are, means that other people feel like they can be as well. But it also means that, like, when you said we don't get many complaints about that, because we show so much of this and because everyone that signs up realistically has probably listened to us already. They know what they're going to get. They know, you know, there's no, like, smoke and mirrors of, like, oh, I wonder what it's going to be like. It's like, well, you should kind of know us by the time you sign up.
0: Yeah, 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 I completely agree. It's It's just such a lovely... It's just such a lovely place, isn't it? The old EC method. Um. It is.
1: um there's just a load of people saying that they love you.
0: No. Why am I so emotional? I told you I'm either getting my period or pregnant.
1: Well, we'll soon see. We'll report back. <laughs> yes, we'll
0: find out. Um, I said that to James this morning and he was like, <laughs> I was like relax. Okay. So we're gonna do a post. Yes, we are. That I said we would do for after the last live because I think it's really interesting. So I'm not going to say the name um, unless she's on here and she says we can. But we don't we don't want to do that. Um, so I just finished listening to yesterday's live, and Chloe, met, you mentioned that you're happy to talk about sex. Always is that anything? Is there any better conversation? I don't have any sordid of stories, but I do need some advice. I'm in a long term relationship and haven't had any form of intimacy for almost 18 months now. Both mine and my partner's confidence is relatively low, and it has manifested into having sex very rarely, and now it's been a long time, and I don't know how to make a move in fear of rejection. Previously, before this drought, I got dressed up in some sexy lingerie, and he told me that he wasn't in the mood. It really knocked my confidence. Help me. Okay, and there's so many responses under this, which just go to show this is a real common problem in a relationship, but also like independently, you know. On,
1: there's like 55 comments on that or something. Oh yeah,
0: so this is like, I'll go through, we'll, we'll unpack this in a minute. I said, oh my gosh, this is such a universal truth. And it's because of such a universal mistruth. And by that, I mean, so one of my friends, I talk about her a lot. She's the one of the leading sex therapists in the country. She's fantastic. And she says that female confidence in terms of sex and in the bedroom is hugely damaged because we are all taught wrongly to believe um, that men have a higher sex drive than women. And it's just not true. Of course, some people have a higher sex drive than other people, and it depends on a variety of factors, including just your basic genetic makeup, but a lot of other stuff as well nature, nurture, um, arou- like arousal, and it's. It's just not true. So I think right off the off the bat, when you find yourself in a relationship and and sex starts to slow down from your, with your partner and you, you automatically feel like, oh, hang on, what's wrong with me? Doesn't he fancy me anymore? Why do I wanna have sex and you don't wanna have sex? You're the man, your sex drive's want to be higher than me. Oh my God, it's me, me, me. It's not like that at all. Um, second of all, I will say that a lot of the time with men, and we'll get onto the self-confidence thing as well, um, and I spoke to my, I've spoken to my friend about this, ad nauseum. So I'm quoting her directly, and she's very qualified in this field. When men are very stressed, the, one of the first things that will drop is their libido, um, and uh, you know, se- sex hormone is is absolutely just like ours. Ours is their sex hormone is uh, as open to fluctuations as ours well. Obviously, ours is more because of our cycles, but it, but they still will have peaks and trough, troughs and testosterone throughout the course of the week, month, year, and it will decline as they get older as well so it's also fair to say that their sex drive isn't necessarily going to be sky high you know 24 till the, 7 till the end of their days it doesn't it declines sometimes sporadically and overall over time um the next thing i will say is i honestly have lost count of the amount of times i've got all dressed up for james and the fucker just hasn't come home and I like I can't even explain to you because remember and I were talking before we came out. Like, Jay's a bit of a party boy now. Like he likes to go out and he likes to have fun, and he will just literally like he's when he's out, he's out. And I I I like the amount of time, especially when it's a corset, which is hell. It's like a workout doing a corset up, hell on earth. And he just and I totally get it that you kind of get in your own head, and on this case, it's obviously a bit a bit kind of a step further because your partner's basically said I'm actually really tired once he's seen you all dressed up. But just it really knocks you into being like, well, yeah, I'm not going to make the next move next time. I'm not going to do this again. And I implore you i nearly said your name client not to let that happen here. That actually you either sit down and you speak to him about this, about what's going on. And you say, "I, I would really like to try and breathe some life into our kind of flailing sex life right now and or that you don't be scared to make the effort because it's not going to work if only one of you is doing it you both have to do it and if you have to be the big girl who pulls up your pants (laughs) anyway who pulls up your pants and marches in that bedroom and tries to get your sex life back on track then that's who you have to be and i honestly mean it when i say don't take it personally the amount of women who've been rejected in the bedroom by their partners is I, I would say in the 100 percentile. Um, and it feels shit because we are taught to believe that men have a high sex drive than women and it's not true. And it's not about you. And they are just as entitled to be tired or have a headache or to not want to have sex as women are. They are just as entitled. So try not to take it personally but we can all relate. We, we can all, we've all been there. Emma, what are your thoughts on this?
1: You're like, we can all relate. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I've never been rejected. I've not been exactly there. No, but I mean, I think, so one thing I was thinking about is I know that if I dressed up a certain way, it would actually probably knock my confidence because it's not me. It's not who I am. It's not. I agree. Like So I think there's that element. Like that doesn't mean you can't wear something sexy, but also make sure that you feel good wearing that because yeah. there's nothing less sexy than someone wearing like sexy stuff and then not being confident at all it's like that just then it's like awkward for everyone involved yeah so I would kind of think about that and like what you are comfortable in and then I think from the place you're at now it's hard because it's been built up for such a long time and it's become such a big thing that it shouldn't be like it doesn't have to be so probably a conversation but then some it depends on the way that you frame the conversation because I think that can make it Worse sometimes because it feels like someone's like nagging you for it, or yeah. isn't, like I'm not happy with our sex life, and like oh I'm not fulfilling what you want in a husband, and then that makes them feel worse and probably lowers testosterone and sex drive even more.
0: Yeah.
1: So I guess frame it as as like I want this with you because you're my husband and because I miss it, as opposed to like this is a negative thing and we yeah. should be doing this. Or
0: I agree. I completely agree with that, and that's. So- it's such a good point um about only doing something that that authentically feels sexual to you um otherwise yeah it is a bit of a shit show I remember once I got James to wear his rugby kit because I thought in my head it made total sense that that would really turn me on and I'd love it and it's like as soon as he walked in I just could not stop laughing and I honestly could not handle it I was like never do this again also I think there's something about like Knowing that sex is coming. Do you know what I mean? Like in the next two minutes, it's just like, oh, that makes me cringe so bad. Um, but we have really all been there, not Emma. <laughs> We've all been there and it sucks and it's really hard. But that it's really, it's about honestly, we we do, do this in the in the dieting sense as well, a bit of resilience. Um, and I agree with Emma, like like taught not letting it knock you too hard and getting back on the horse, get back on the horse. But I do agree with em. Um, I think talking about it, you have to you do have to choose how you and your partner communicate and how it's going to be helpful because she's right. I think it makes the problem al- almost bigger or more awkward if, you know you you don't articulate it in the right way for your partner for it to land on good ears. I know that my friend Zoe, I listened to her do a podcast a few weeks ago, and she said that for her and her partner, it was all about like sharing their fantasies, which I mean, again, I don't know, it depends on it depends on. But she said, like, Everyone, any, every one of her friends, she's given that advice to. It's like seeing their sex life go through the roof. So, oh, thank you. Share your biggest, but again, I thought mine was you know shagging James and Robbie Kit, and
1: it was just horribly, hilariously awkward. No, I don't know what mine is now. I'd have to have a think about that. Um, they change. They change. Oh, no, definitely.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, Kate's just saying she's been reading Jay Shetty's book, Rules of Love. It's quite good, I think, although I skipped all the meditation bits. <laughs> <You're> like me. <laughs> yeah, where's the sex in this book? Where's the good stuff?
0: <clears throat> Should I read some of the responses? Because some of them are better than our responses. Hazel hey, yeah, says um, Are there any mental health problems? Depression can lower self esteem and really do a number on your libido. Uh, yeah i know when james is mega mega stressed because our sex life just goes
1: um yeah taking i think in this instance as well because it's been like you kind of get out of the routine of it and then this is the new norm like if it's been 18 months it's the norm not to have sex
0: yeah okay so polly who's a therapist everyone's saying you need to talk to him Polly, who's a therapist, is saying, how's your communication? Can you talk to each other? Sometimes finding the courage to start the conversation. And it doesn't have to be about sex. It can be about how you're both feeling. How are you both seeing things in your relationship? And maybe it's time to get to know each other again. I would suggest some couples therapy. But again, have a chat with your partner. Communication is key. And if speaking is too difficult, maybe write them a letter. Yeah. And they can write back. It's an open dialogue. Uh, I'm really glad you shared. This is such a safe space. I agree with this. I tend to find if James and I are having an argument in person, the argument does not get resolved. Weirdly, if we're doing it over text, we resolve it. It's really interesting, and I think it's like removing that combative nature.
1: I mean, obviously, it starts pretty bad, but <laughs> I think it's because when you text, you can respond instead of react. Yeah. And when you're talking to someone, it's just like the react, and then you're like, I didn't mean that, and it's like, well, you said it, so you did mean it. it must be what you thought.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Insight into Emma's relationship. <laughs>
1: Do you know what I did do in one relationship was like and this was quite like couples therapy-esque but you don't have to go to the couples therapy to do that but like relationship check-ins and again they probably should be done written of like even just nice things like I guess it's gratitude and but having a space to tell someone that so like what did I do this week that made you smile what do you want me to do more of and and also a space to be like what did I do this week that's annoying because sometimes like You wouldn't say it because again it sounds like nagging, but someone just doesn't know. Like if you're not told, oh, it's really annoying when I don't know, you leave the door open every time you leave a room and it like it actually that tiny thing grates on me so much. If no one told tells you that, then actually you don't know that it's annoying thing that you're doing.
0: I love that that's the example you used. James and I literally had a fight about that yesterday morning. I was like, shut the fucking door!
1: Well, I'm just trying to think of something that is relatively small, not malicious, you know, but you might not notice that you're doing it, that it's annoying.
0: Yeah, uh, Kerry says, I think everyone's advice is great, uh, but communication and having a little chat about where you're both at. I also think it's important to get out of your comfort zones a bit, not necessarily in the bedroom, trying something new and different together. Go somewhere new. Book a random holiday or a weekend away filled with activities you've never done before. Take a class together. Go to a movie you wouldn't normally see. Make it a little bit awkward and unfamiliar and exciting, like when you both first met and were attracted to each other. Rediscover that spark, if you will. Go to a sex party. Yeah, go to a sex party. We're going out for dinner. (laughs) yeah oh my god terry i can so relate to this we needed to do this and we were struggling to conceive sex became really high stakes and put a lot of pressure on us um yeah i mean honestly yeah that's such a good point um i really like that advice everyone's advice is amazing Mm. yes i'm still reading them now sorry i want to read i haven't read some of them i want to read them all okay right should i go to the put po- do we have anything on the
1: live yeah we've got loads i was just ignoring it okay right <laughs> yeah hey beautiful ladies am i correct in thinking the lower body the lower the body fat the better muscle definition will be maybe that's a silly question so yes an answer to that and then she says basically i'm wondering when will my when will my fat loss phase be over i've lost four stone and i'm now wondering how much more fat I need to lose to start looking lean. I'm 32 and and a half and a fifth years old. 32 and a fifth years old. Okay. specifically Five foot three, nine stone five. I'm on 1600 calories, hit uh 120 grams of protein and right, so and fat targets. I do four of your gym workouts a week, but I do struggle to hit the 60,000 steps. I'll submit photos to you okay yeah that's probably best if you just post the photos in the group and then we can tell you
0: yeah I I would also just gently remind and I haven't seen your photos so I don't know a especially as a woman building muscle takes time and the answer might be the reason you're not seeing more muscle is because you don't have any or not any sorry that's the wrong word you don't have enough of it to get that physique that you're looking for which is really common because building muscle takes time and it's really hard as a woman um so it might be like hey come out of body fat let's do a long-term body recomp goal let's bring your calories up let's look at your you know make sure maybe i'll upload something on um boxes to tick when like really gaining muscle is the goal i mean everything from protein to mind to muscle connection to working hard in your workouts um Or yeah, it might be be that if you just lose four or five more pounds of body fat um, that you'll start looking really shredded.
1: Mm. The vast majority of the time, unless you're, honestly, unless you've been like really lifting quite heavy weights for a period of time, most people diet too soon. Like if you're looking for physique results, most people diet too soon, get lean and realize there's not that much muscle there. I think the, the reason I got away with that when I first dieted was because I lifted four years as like a sprinter and then a rower so like really heavy weights and properly fueling yourself because you have to to do those things and then I dieted so I had like a decent amount of muscle mass underneath but it never got really lean whereas most people are like oh yeah I just want to diet down to look really lean and it's like yeah there's not that much underneath you need to do the building of the muscle first
0: yeah i just looked skinny as fuck when i first started really really skinny and it yeah it took me a long time so yeah we might but we don't know we need to look at photos
1: okay Gemma. hey both so happy to be back just some advice on calories please i'm 59 kilograms getting 6 000 steps per day assuming i can get outside for a walk with the little one i'm five foot and i'm breastfeeding I don't want to damage my milk supply so looking for advice on any extra calories i should factor into this looking for very slow and careful weight loss
0: um you're not gonna uh, damage your milk supply um i would she says what six thousand steps a day yeah i would try and up that to seven um now and ideally in the end get to eight but try and up it to seven um she's five foot and 59 kgs uh i would start you on 1800 calories um and yeah don't, your your supply will be absolutely fine
1: agree okay hannah hello loving week one thank you for context i'm 24 weeks pregnant and five foot six and 68 kilograms I'm following three gym workouts with a few modifications where needed. I'm aiming for twelve thousand steps. My questions are: one, in week one, I put myself on eighteen hundred calories. As I thought I would, uh, I thought I would not want to put myself in a deficit at sixteen hundred right now as I'm pregnant. Would you agree with this?
0: Yes. At, at five five foot six, sixty eight kgs, twenty four weeks pregnant. I think that was exactly my stat. Um,
1: I would not put you in a deficit now. No. Perfect. Two. What can I realistically expect while i pregnant? E.g., is it possible to still, uh, to still positively see changes in my bum, legs, and arms? <laughs> what is realistic for me to strive so for? Uh,
0: no, your glutes pretty much turn off when you're pregnant because of the curvature of your spine and the frontal load of of your bump. Um, you, yeah, <laughs> your, your glutes. You're gonna. You can still train them. But um, you're probably not gonna you're not gonna get very far with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, quite honestly, yes, um, you can, you can build some muscle in pregnancy. However, it's not going to be particularly significant because there's so many, um, other considerations. Like, uh, there's so many things that that you can't do at a certain point, whether it's you know, the, the prone, the supine position or things that are going to clear your bump. Um, and the fact that your body is under, especially your, your, your core. So your back really your posterior chain, um, and your core, there's so much going on that actually it becomes quite hard to lift properly with really, really great form. Um, you know, like I say, you've got this, thing hanging off the front of you um so it's really probably not the best time <laughs> to have any kind of physique goal but it's also super important that you continue to train and you continue to eat kind of nutritionally aware if you feel if your symptoms allow you to um, it's only going to make you have a happier healthier pregnancy and childbirth potentially i mean obviously if there's complications there's complications there's only so much you could prevent that but um it's a very good thing to do and i would say especially postnatally I a hundred percent think having done it myself that it had a huge impact on what my body looked like after I'd had the baby.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah I think that's the point as well because you might hear that and be like well what's the point but and and same with I think this is often true with menopausal women as well when they're like oh right so if estrogen's lower it's harder to build muscle mm-hmm. so I'll just not bother and I'm like no, no no there's even more point like what can you maintain during this time even if you're not going to grow incredible glutes during pregnancy you're going to have far better glutes on the other side if you haven't let them atrophy during that time right and same with like menopause if you're thinking oh well i'll never be able to build as much muscle i mean like one you will it's just a bit harder and there's more considerations Mm -hmm. um and two it's even more important because you're at a higher risk of losing muscle so it's even more important to do what you can to at least maintain it so, yeah, yeah just in case you you hear that and think, oh, well, then if I can't do that, I'll just do nothing. Like you're going to give yourself, as close, saying, every opportunity for the happiest, healthiest pregnancy, even if things go wrong. And if things do go wrong, it's like it would have been worse had you not taken care of yourself. Right. So now you're doing everything within your control. And if external things happen, there's nothing you can do about that. But you've done everything that you possibly can. And I think that's like the reassuring part. I
0: completely agree with everything Emma just said. I honestly, I really, really, really true. And I, I, I was working out, there was another girl in my gym who was kind of just a few weeks behind me and I saw her in the gym this week. Um, And yeah, same, same. It, I honestly think it makes a huge difference to your body afterwards. Also, you know, Emma was just talking about, you know, not letting your glutes atrophy, um, even if it's p- pretty unlikely you're going to grow them in pregnancy. But also mental health like we always talk about knowing that you're still taking care of your body knowing that you're still going into the gym um really important especially in pregnancy um when your head obviously hormones can be kind of all over the place at times um and especially postnatally it's a really nice thing to keep that momentum on if you let that say you're never gonna find it as hard to get to the gym as you are after you've had a baby it's. I mean, you. I remember there were days I was just like, "How am I ever, ever going to fit this back in?" And it's still hard now. um But if you didn't let that momentum drop, you're still in that headspace. Whereas if you come away from it now, you're going to be hard pressed to get back into the gym until your six month post postnatal.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question on this. <clears throat> what are your recommendation? What sorry. What are some ways you would recommend to track progress? As obviously weight will be going up. Thank you so much. And loving the group support
0: um to track progress as where it will be going up um don't track progress you're pregnant your body's progressing <laughs> in that in that vein every day of every week of every month uh like i say you're going to get to a point where your workouts become harder from both a physiological uh standpoint um and also from um an energy standpoint your body's doing a lot you're going to start to find that you fatigue very quickly especially in workouts um i i don't think it's appropriate for you to measure anything other than how happy and healthy your 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 pregnancy is both up here and and everywhere else
1: okay claire any tips for how not to fall into the bucket of eating all the sweet stuff um, the week of the 19th of March, I've got my daughter's birthday, Mother's Day and our wedding anniversary. <clears throat> okay, my biggest tip for this is plan. Also make it a cruise week. So bring calories up to maintenance, but plan around it. So if you know you've got your daughter's birthday, okay, what does that look like? What are you going to have? What are you not going to have? What does what does the day look like? What does the eating around that look like? <clears throat> same with Mother's Day and same with your wedding anniversary one of the benefits to this that I think is probably not spoken about enough is you will enjoy it more like all of the research shows this if you plan it and you plan ahead and you get specific about it like I'm so excited to have that carrot cake on Mother's Day because that's my favorite thing and I absolutely love it you will enjoy that more if you plan it now and you look forward to it also if you limit it like if you have three pieces you won't enjoy it three times as much as one in fact if you have one and you really sit down and you're excited about it and then you move on like you will enjoy that more and I think some people hear maybe our advice around like plan these things in like only have this every now and again like it's not a treat if you have it every day and there's one side of that that people are like oh that seems quite restricted it's not it you'll actually enjoy these things far more if you limit them so look at it from that perspective as well of like okay get excited about it sit down plan what you're going to do what you're going to do for your daughter's birthday what are you doing for mother's day what are you doing for your wedding anniversary what foods are you going to have and then look forward to it enjoy the hell out of it and move on and I think the main thing about not falling into the bucket is between those days like if your daughter's birthday is the Monday and then mother's day is the Sunday like what's happening in between that time and that doesn't mean that you just overeat for the whole week look at the average over the week and be like all right these days are normal days or these meals are normal meals and then i'm going to have that higher calorie meal and then the next week get straight back on it and right back into routine
0: yeah i completely agree emma made my point which is um you know why do you need to have quote-unquote all the sweet stuff because it's this thing then this thing then this thing why does that dictate that you now have to have all the sweet stuff it's like if it's like, well, because my daughter's going to have a birthday cake and I'm going to want a slice. Okay, cool. Have a slice of birthday cake. Or it's anniversary and we're going to a really nice restaurant. I'm going to order, want to order dessert. Cool. Order dessert. Doesn't mean that you now you're like, and then I'm going to eat some Haribo and then I'm going to have half a packet of Digestives and then there's party rings on the table because the kids, they're the worst biscuits, by the way. Anyway, um, they're,
1: they're actually quite low in calories, though. Probably why they're the worst biscuit shit
0: yeah Yeah. um so so you know exactly what emma's saying you're not going to enjoy it if you're just if you do that it's it's yeah so so pick the thing that you're like oh she's gonna have cake or i'm gonna want dessert have that thing and then avoid the all
1: thing and it's mind-blowing but actually overeating is not enjoyable and you the thing is you won't make as many memories you won't be as present you won't enjoy the party as much and then as much as people are like never feel guilt around food. There's one thing saying that. And there's one thing actually not feeling it. And the way that you don't feel it is you choose what you want to have. you enjoy it, and then you move on as opposed to what Chloe was just talking about of like having a bit of everything and then feeling crap the next day. That's what we want to avoid. Yeah, okay, Liz, I'm hoping to get back into the gym next week after about four weeks of injury slash illness. Should I deload? And if so, how much? My old routine used to deal. Used to be, de- and oh, that's meant to say deload by 10%. Would this be a good place to start?
0: She's had four weeks off and she's about to go back to the gym and she wants to know if she should deload. No, you've had four weeks of deload.
1: I think she just means that she shouldn't go back lifting full weights after four weeks off, which I agree with, but Perfect. I wouldn't get yeah. as specific as like 10% off. I'd just go in, see how you feel. You know, I'd, I prefer to do it off like either reps and reserve or like RPE. So, you know, instead of pushing your normal 10 out of 10, what about seven out of 10 effort? Or instead of going to like one rep in reserve or no reps in reserve, go to like, okay, I've probably got still got like three or four in the tank here. And then push yourself like maybe the next week or the week after, depending on how your body responds. Cause you'll probably have pretty bad doms the first. Oh
0: the first few months after having Bodhi, I, I, I couldn't move. I, it's only the last two weeks I can move after the gym now. Um, you know, even to an extent, um, I completely agree with Emma. I would say going into the gym, um, it with two day rest days in between. So you can feel out your body and see how it's responding. I do think the dorms are going to kick you in the ass. So good luck with that. You'll get that. Don't worry. Um, I think going in and lifting at 50% of your normal intensity, meaning load lifted starting there doing one set um and then stepping away and asking yourself if you want to do another set at a slightly higher weight or if you're happy with that um and i really like emma's advice about using rpe or rir to to make sure you don't overdo it
1: excellent okay Katie. i've noticed i'm getting doms a lot recently been training in the gym consistently for 1.5 years now so i'm surprised to still feel doms doing the new leg workout today will um today after a week I last took a deload week five weeks ago any thoughts been doing yoga two to three times a week Pilates once a week I assumed that would be fine given a different adaptation but could that be impacting my recovery Katie you've just started new workouts
0: yeah like, workout.
1: you said here I've just been doing the new leg workout yeah. like I've still got doms from doing the new leg workout after a week sorry I read that wrong um that's why it's just new workouts yeah um lucy hi both i'm struggling with exercise waiting for a knee replacement can't do steps but assuming peloton can replace yes it can have looked at workouts but they all have exercising involving knees (laughs) unfortunately true (laughs) most exercises do annoyingly involve knees any suggestions for exercising with weights without using knees at the moment I am not doing too well at the diet as I'm not exercising. So it feels like there's no point. Okay. As someone who could only solely do upper body, because shockingly as well, your back, your lower back is involved in everything that goes through your legs. Annoying. You absolutely can do that. Like I would pick some upper body targets and get really good at them. So I was like, I really want to get good at pull-ups and I really want to get good at push-ups. Those are the things that I can do. So I just do them all the time, right? and And now I can do a bit more lower body, but I'm still quite limited in that. But for a long time, I only trained upper body. If you are doing that, I probably and let's say you still want to go to the gym three, four times a week, I would probably do like a body part split because otherwise you're gonna get quite fatigued doing like full upper body four times a week. I would probably do like bits and tries and then chest and then back and then shoulders
0: Bison. who who the fuck is going in the gym doing a full buys and tries session? um
1: me chloe <laughs> <laughs> pay me enough money oh, um, when we train what are you doing next week can we train
0: yeah 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 like, so, yeah you can give we me can a
1: buys th- and tries
0: i'll just hate you the whole way i'll just be like i hate you i'm still weak from not training for so long so don't don't bitch me out with my weights um what was I going to say? Do everything seated.
1: <laughs> that was like high school musical. We're all in this together.
0: Uh, once we
1: know. Uh, I
0: do everything seated. And um, yeah, you're really going to be hard pressed to find any lower body exercises that don't use knee flexion. Yeah. Uh, oh, hang on. Well, okay, so you could do weighted hyperextensions. Uh, you could do like a band, uh, standing band thrusts, <laughs> lol. Yeah, so I'm struggling with it. Mm. If like deadlifts.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, fair. Yeah. Depends where it's sore though. And this is the hard thing about us with like injury. So like Jordan's hurt his knee at the moment. And weirdly, like stiff leg deadlifts, no. Leg extensions, fine.
0: Yeah, it's interesting on the with machine. Um, I find some clients can't do a squat, but they can do a leg press, which makes no sense to me,
1: but it happens. So, yeah, like my with my back, no squats, no leg press. Yeah, not heavy, but
0: yeah. make more sense with your back, but with yeah, the knee, leg, yeah. Really interesting because it's so there's so much knee flexion, but yeah, um, okay, fine, we've done that.
1: Okay, Jennifer, wait, did I hear that Peloton can replace steps or am I just hearing what I want? Yes. So steps are just a crude way of managing managing energy expenditure. So we spoke about this quite a lot, especially in the winter and especially because of all the scary people that might be out at night. Yes. Like, we like want people walking around at night just to get steps in. So yeah. if you've got a piece of cardio equipment at home, great. Now, the next question we always get is, how many steps is equated to X amount on the peloton? And it's really hard to say. Probably the easiest way to do it is to think like, if it took me an hour to do X amount of steps, then I would need to do an hour of like moderate cycling on the peloton to equate to that. So you might want to think of it like that. Um, But yeah, any way of expending energy is the same. The reason that steps are so useful is because they fit into your life more and what we really want rather than people just aimlessly walking around their house trying to get steps or I don't know anything like that is same with like just doing cardio to expend energy what we really want is like a more active life because it's way more sustainable it's easier to do it's more enjoyable and then the benefit of steps as well is that you get outside in the fresh air and it you know there's the mental health benefit to it and you might do it socially or you might just use the car less so you're helping the environment as well and there's like loads of potential benefits to that um, but yes you yeah. can do peloton i'm an eco warrior okay I, I
0: um yeah i like to think of it kind of like how i said about thinking about um as, if you've ever gone for a long walk and you've looked down at your at your watch or whatever and you you've quantified how many how many steps that was over the course of an hour um then yeah and i would say doing either like low to moderate on the peloton for an hour to match that or moderate to high intensity for say half an hour to match it. Um, so, yeah, that that plays a role as well.
1: Okay, Katie's just got back to her. She says, Sorry, to be clear, I still had DOMs a week later from my old workout. And I've been doing that for four weeks, expecting to be even worse tomorrow now. <laughs> yeah, you probably will be worse tomorrow. If you've had DOMs for four weeks, it is probably a, a recovery issue so i would look at your sleep how many workouts you're doing per week your calorie target your protein target and honestly usually it's sleep
0: and i would also if you've been if you've been training for a long time i would take it i would take a deload i would take another deload you're a newbie it's probably something else
1: mm. um, <clears throat> okay we're up to date
0: okay what time is it? 16 okay. minutes past three. Okay. Sorry. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, okay, right, here we are. Um, can I check about my workouts, please? This week I've done one full body strength, one push and one pull, plus I've walked 10K every day. I'm planning on a gym session over the weekend. Is this the right sort of structure, please?
1: Also, yeah, so Emma. Yeah, I don't know where the strength session is from.
0: I mean, if you were doing four workouts a week.
1: You do I... push pull legs, full body of right. my programmed ones.
0: Yeah, she must mean full body.
1: Oh, okay. So um, yeah, body. so I would prioritize push pull legs, and then the full body is noted as like a bonus session.
0: Okay um what would you suggest would be on my weekend session I'm loving the plan so far the lack of an actual daily menu freaks me out a bit initially can you imagine if we gave everyone a menu
1: (laughs) even just like I think a lot of people are like well what day should I do what but I mean the whole point is you fit it into your life right like imagine we were trying to tell everyone they had to do a certain workout on a Monday and someone's like I do not train on a Monday or I've got a shift or I'm not well or the car broke down or something, it's impossible. And also, it doesn't matter. The whole point of all of this is like the consistent actions that you take on average over a week is what will dictate your results. That's why you- we set weekly targets.
0: When we started ECU, we did daily workouts. Do you remember? It was like kind of a way to keep everybody going.
1: That was in lockdown.
0: Yeah, in lockdown. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then when we came away, they from-
1: were all home as well. Like you can train. Yeah. yeah.
0: But when we came away from it, some of our clients were really upset about it. Who was it? Was it Vicky? Was like, uh, Where have they gone? And we were like, Well, the, we're not in lockdown anymore. So, like, we can't really tell. <laughs> yeah, like Emma said, if someone's got pretty full on Monday, like, you have to train on Monday. Like, I remember they were so upset. I was like, Guys, you had your days. It's fine.
1: <laughs> um, Lauren says, Our rats will have to catch up with the rest of this as my three year old is trying to chop. His baby brother in half with his toy sword. <laughs> the joys of parenting. <laughs> Great. Get another one, Chloe. I
0: know, right? She said. So, I just to finish this. Sorry, they've got. I've got like peeling skin and, at the top of my ear. It's really. Oh amazing. my
1: god! Did I show you my hand? No. It's got much worse. Okay. It's not on a different finger. Look how mangled that finger is.
0: Poor thing.
1: So I, I know I had. That was where I had my rings, right? So last night, I oh. was like. It was honestly so painful i had to put like a load of moisturizer on it and then that wouldn't come off so then i got in the shower and had like uh loads of conditioner and i just got it off it so painful you
0: should have got jordan to do
1: it what in the shower <laughs> in the
0: shower he wishes. he wishes so just to finish this question off she says um freaked me out initially but it worked so much better for my head that i thought it would in that nothing feels out of bounds and therefore I'm not constantly overthinking about what I can't have. I'm only five days in and I'm very happy. Thank you. Oh, yay. That makes us really happy, Emma.
1: Sounded so insincere.
0: I know because I was, I meant it, but I was also trying to, I, like, I would show you, but I don't really want to get that close to the camera. I need to look at it in the mirror. Sorry, it's very
1: distracting. Is that where your
0: piercing is? No. No, it just feels like like scaly skin, like but it's like tight. It's not flaking. It's like really tight on it anyway okay <laughs> sorry guys you're like get on with it <laughs> um <laughs> michelle up genuinely michelle up
1: <laughs> unless oh, it's like, are what? you sure it's not michelle No,
0: no
1: <laughs>
0: i think she's just put a p on the end of it I don't know, anyway. Hello, please can you talk about the pause before engaging in destructive and unnecessarily emotional overeating at night after dinner? It's the only time I ever do it. The pause is the key, so I can make healthier decisions to leave the room and or tolerate feelings instead of stuffing them down and or do alternative activities like journaling. But I often find I cannot do do this pause. The impulse to just do it, brackets, overeat, is so strong. It's not physiological because I eat adequately for delicious and highly nutritious and high volume meals that day. I am full and tired after dinner. I also know deep breaths would help and other concrete strategies, including going to bed. But how do I actually pause so as not to engage in these strategies? I'm in therapy and I also did a specific eating disorder therapy program at university in 2020. So I know all this stuff, but this remains a big issue for me, the pause. I'm also liking your amazing advice from your earlier podcast on self-discipline and self-control and being an adult to get results in something, this is something that really helps me, but then sometimes I just override it by indulging in the impulse instead of pausing and making the better choice that I know will make me feel proud and happy instead of upset and regretful afterwards. I've cultivated and for many years have the excellent ability to pause and not be impulsive in other areas of my life like relationships, professional and personal, but I very much struggle in this one domain. Thank you so much. I apologize for the length of this question. Amazing. Don't apologize for the length of it. We love all that context. I'm going to give it over to Emma. Um, I will just say that I'm really happy that you're in therapy and you've obviously done a lot of work on this and you've obviously really looking into this. Um, And I actually would say that because of those things, you're probably going to be better equipped to answer your own question than I am. Um, But I'm gonna throw it over to Emma.
1: I think the only thing I'll add, because it sounds like you know a hell of a lot about this already, and you've tried all, you know, like, I know breathing would help. I know, like, soothing would help. Like people say, like, you know, holding your, touching your chest, like, grounding yourself, essentially, and just taking a second. And so you know that you need to pause and you've managed to do it in other areas. It also sounds like sometimes you do manage it and sometimes you don't. And this is where journaling really helps. So instead of beating yourself up, if you do overeat or you do like respond or react instead of respond and you don't manage to pause and make the choice that you want to make, instead you're kind of responding to whatever's in front of you. On those occasions, I try and like dissect it a little bit. Okay, what was the context? Was I tired? Was I emotional? Was it very late at night? Had I eaten enough? where was I? Did I go into the kitchen again after dinner? Was it environmental? Was it the certain food I was eating? Like, create a bit of a picture around it. So then you can be like, next time, okay, maybe it was that I was really tired, and I ate chocolate, and I missed lunch, right? And I know you have said it's not physiological. But sometimes if you kind of dissect it a little bit, you're like, oh, okay, and, and sometimes it's not as simple as I ate enough dinner that day, it could be I'm in too big a deficit overall or it could be on Monday I didn't eat very much and now it's Tuesday night and hunger's catching up with me so that's where journaling and like figuring out what's going on can be really really helpful and then also journaling on the times that it you know you did manage to pause so if you get into bed and you're like hey I did really want to overeat after dinner but I didn't why was that? like what what was different today had I slept really well did I have a great gym session am I just in a better mood did I I don't know clear away my plate after dinner did I have a bit more protein at dinner like what situations were those as well and then you can kind of start to curate your environment to set you up for success and know when you're most likely to overeat and and not
0: yeah I like two things there that I really like one Emma's right, and not only looking at it in an immediate sense of, oh well, no, I just had a really nice big dinner, um, but actually stepping back on a medium term and being like, well, what did, does my week look like? And what kind of deficit am I in? And even stepping back even bigger in like a longer term, how long have I been dieting for? If you've had like mega food preoccupation for years and years and years, and you've been dieting for years and years and years, probably serve you really well to come away from dieting entirely for a period of time until you can neutralize your relationship with food um it does strike me that post strikes me very much as binge eating disorder which i think you're aware of because you talk about um having to speaking to a therapist and doing an eating disorder course i think you should be very fucking proud of yourself you really are taking you really are trying to figure it out and you'd be surprised how many people try and bury their head in the sand or don't really want to do the work i'm very impressed by you um and I, I agree with Emma outside of that, curating your environment that this is very unpopular advice and a lot of people will contest it, but you know, if you know that after dinner sometimes, and I, I also like Emma's thing like what's happened that day or in the last 48 hours that is when it, when it happens, is there a trigger that you're not even aware of? Um, and as Emma said, when you haven't done it, what is that last 24, 48 hours look like, you know, it, you know and where are the differences? Um, but curating your environment so that if you know, sometimes you will, you know, eat a, I don't know, party bag of Walker's crisps, maybe not keeping crisps in the house. Now, this is a much bigger problem than that. And I think we're all aware of that because of what you've said. And it's not as simple as what I've just but said. That would
1: be helpful for other people. Yeah, you know.
0: but that is that is also something to think about. Like, how can you, in a, in, a, in a way, by doing that, you're enforcing a pause now you actually have to stop and think okay there's nothing here and it's unlikely that if it's nine o'clock at night you're gonna get up get in the car or walk down to the shops if it and if you do then you're just well you would have to pause the pause isn't the pause is now in force um but yeah that is helpful advice for other people who struggle with overeating and overindulging but not necessarily people I would say have binge eating disorder.
1: Yeah and I think we probably don't think enough about food environment in that respect, it's like, it requires way more willpower not to eat something if it's right in front of you, yeah. in comparison to there's a barrier, as in you'd have to go and buy that to consume it. And again, like the psychology of this is important. You're not saying you can't have Walker's crisps, but you are saying if you do wanna have them, you're gonna to have to go out your way to get them. So I think that's important. And then the only thing I wanted to kind of pull up on as well is just the language used can be really impactful as well. So I think, and I can't remember exactly the way that Chloe said this, but I think you are like, sometimes I just can't. And even changing that to, sometimes I just don't pause, might seem quite subtle, but the way that you're telling yourself like, I sometimes I cannot do it. That's, it's very hard to change from a place of, I cannot do it. Now you've already proven to yourself that you can, because you sometimes do, right? So if you even if you're telling yourself, sometimes I just don't pause, that's my problem. Very different than sometimes I just can't pause.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anything
1: uh, else? Other- yes, Kerry is asking any thoughts or advice on uh, everyone to carry into the first week of this round. Bebes. What? Bebes. Read it again. Uh, any basically, what should people do on a weekend? But I do think the advice we gave about planning ahead so exactly what we were talking about with if you have mother's day and a birthday and your wedding anniversary like it's the same thing like plan ahead choose your indulgences look forward to them if you've got an amazing brunch planned on sunday like look at the menu see what you're going to have think about it enjoy it and then move on right and then plan the rest of your weekend around that and be like okay i've got a meal out and a brunch okay what can i do around that to make sure i'm still hitting my protein target that I'm not underfueling, but I'm also being mindful of calories I agree okay um how do you say the name S-I-A-N Sean okay uh just want to say thank you I'm on day three and I'm absolutely loving it I'm watching your live while walking around the house getting my steps in oh, well done okay Julia away with the girls next weekend we'll be eating out for lunch both days and dinner both nights plus obs booze we'll choose food sensibly but any tips on how to balance things out the following week to make up the additional calories and fats etc sorry if this has been asked too often but I'm so invested in this plan and more importantly to feel good don't be sorry that is what we're here for
0: um yeah it's it look it's obviously it's not the best environment for you to be able to really like you know smash your diet that weekend but it's also not the worst and that depends on you and what you choose to do um if you at the lunches and dinners you eat smart eat food that would look like the kind of normal food that you would have at home to help your calories um protein and veg protein and veg protein and veg um and if you know you're drinking avoid the bread basket avoid dessert. Um, and enjoy the drinks and if you're going to drink then choose lower calorie options like you know your spirits and your your diet sodas and whatever um and try try to take something try to go and enjoy it while still managing to stay on track with your goals long term big picture and what you want um it certainly wouldn't track just ruin it for you and it'll be really stressful and annoying and antisocial um and the next week the only thing you need to do is get right back on track
1: Mm-hmm. I think the only other thing that might be useful not to track but to write what you eat down to, or just like note it because I think on weekends like that it can be really easy to like get up and have for like a latte and like a biscuit or something and then you have brunch and then you have something else and then you go past another coffee shop and it's like you end up kind of eating all day and you have no idea what you've consumed whereas if you're just a little bit more aware of what you've had and then you end up picking less on like the crisps that are out on the counter and stuff then yeah that's a little tip um but have an amazing time and realize as well like because you've put here thanks I'd rather not go this is exactly what we don't want from dieting like it's not going to set you back like the whole point in this is that you live your life and also lose fat on the side it's not that you give up your life and give up social occasions so that you can stick perfectly to your diet like that's absolutely pointless you will we're far more impressed when someone at the end of the ec method is like i went to three weddings during the eight weeks i've been on holiday it was my wedding anniversary and blah 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 blah. i did all of these things and i managed to lose weight versus someone who's like i stuck to my exact calories every single day and i never went over them it's like You didn't learn anything. What are you going to do for the next rest of your life? Like, oh, the diet's finished now. The eight weeks are done. It's like, you'll just put the weight back on, right? You have to learn to go and enjoy these things and enjoy life while you're also losing fat.
0: Yeah, hear, hear. And not only like the obvious, you know, the improvements to your life, but also you, I know people are going to be like, no, I only lose weight when I'm really strict and I cut out bread and did it. It's utter nonsense. Um, But also... And so, and so, but those people with that mindset, you're going to be shocked at how much your body changes by doing this and how much it continues to change and how much it, you know, everything, your quality of life, your body image, your kind of, your ability to row and sail and your enjoyment of both will just take off. So do it now, do the work now. It's so worth it. It'll change your life.
1: Amen, sister. Julia's just saying- such good advice thank you okay we're up to date on the live so shall we
0: yeah let's let's get out all i'm very distracted today sorry guys um we will see you again
1: on monday by the skin on her ear
0: <laughs> by a lot of things my head is up my ass today um we will see you on monday uh afternoon right
1: you'll see us on monday at three thirty.
0: see you then bye, bye.